Hello and welcome to another episode of the Gridcoin Fireside. Today is August 6th. This is episode 74. We're going to be talking about what is Gridcoin, the introductions. Oh my god, is that a fox or is that... That looks like a Kelpie. That looks just like my dog. Oh man, I love the chat. That's a Shiba? No way. Look at that tail. That is a Shiba. Uh, if you want to join us live in the Discord chat, you're welcome to. We're right here on the Gridcoin Discord server. We're doing the live recording in the voice chat. You can join in the text or with your mic. Uh, we are also live streaming on YouTube for the first time ever. We're the first YouTube live streamer. I don't know if you've heard about this technology. Uh, it's really cool. And YouTube is, is for those who don't know, I'm Jay Ringo. I am uh, also the executive director of the Library Foundation, which is library is a um, YouTube uh, competitor, essentially. <laughs> based on the blockchain so but no youtube's awesome youtube's great uh that said let's get into it this is going to be uh like i said an introduction to gridcoin very very um low level we're not going to get any into any of the technical stuff but we're going to go over the concepts if you are new this is what you want to listen to chat i know <laughs> all of you I already know everything I'm about to say. So if I miss something, please remind me in the chat so I remember. Uh, I will be getting on OnlyFans um, 2028 after the grand collapse of Western society. So stay tuned, guys. <laughs> OnlyFans doesn't take Gridcoin. Uh, amen. All right. So if you want to learn more information about Gridcoin, there are two websites you can check out, gridcoin.world and gridcoin.us. Both have largely similar information. Uh, gridcoin.us is going to be a little more text-heavy. Gridcoin.world is a little less text-heavy. You know, uh, Other ways to get more information are just to join the community, Reddit, Discord, Slack, if you're developer-oriented or contributor-oriented. Um, Slack has a message limit, so we try to use Discord for more community-building stuff. Uh, also, I mean, jump on the GitHub, but if you know about that already, I don't know why you're listening to this. Just go read the code. <laughs> All right, so what is Gridcoin? I recently asked this to our community on Reddit and got some really good answers for sort of elevator pitches. So I'm just really going to read one of them here. Gridcoin is one of the most actively developed coins. It's in the top 10 most actively developed coins. This includes things like Bitcoin and Ethereum. Like we're up there in terms of the amount of development done on this coin. It's kind of insane. Uh, we are also in the top 10 ranking of the number of network nodes among all blockchain projects. Uh, this is coming from a paper put out, I think, a little less than a year ago. Um, that's also including projects like Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, and other ones like Horizon, I think, is number one, which is really weird. Uh, Gridcoin has already contributed significantly and with recognition to the discovery of pulsars, the research of cancer, AIDS, tuberculosis, COVID-19, and countless other research projects um, because we're built on top of BOINC. BOINC stands for Bo the Berkeley Open Infrastructure for Networks Computing. The BOINC project is an open source project that's been around since essentially 1999. It was launched out of SETI at home. Uh, which everyone knows what SETI at home is, really. The Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. It had a really cool screensaver. It got a lot of people, including myself, into distributed computing for the first time. Um, and Boink is the infrastructure that was birthed out of it. And it, it, there's tons of projects that are hosted on Boink because it's an open infrastructure. Anyone can host a project on it. 
Um, some of the big names are World Community Grid, which is the project hosted by IBM. Uh, there's um, Einstein at Home, which I think is the Max Planck Institute. I forget at this point because there's just so many projects. I get them crisscrossed. Um, there are universities all around the world. Uh, I think NanoHub comes out of Purdue. Uh, ClimatePrediction.net comes out of Oxford. Um, Rosetta at Home comes out of the Institute of Protein Design and University of Washington. TAC comes out of the Texas something Advanced Computing. I'm going to say consortium, but that's entirely incorrect. <laughs> but it's TACC. Uh, and then there's also a bunch of citizen scientists or scientists at home, if you will, that do uh, have created point projects over the years, doing stuff like uh, searching for prime numbers or trying to solve or disprove the Colas conjecture. I apologize. My dog is eating a door frame right now. It's very weird. Coda, <laughs> stop. Come on. Uh, so you've got these giant projects run right next to these projects, literally sometimes run on people's laptops in their closet. Because uh, anyone can set this up and all you need is a laptop to really get it going. So Really, to sum up just that part, Gridcoin is a cryptocurrency that has already contributed to massive research. We helped with COVID-19 and mapping that genome, or that the the getting that shit done, if you will. Uh, and we're also one of the most active cryptocurrencies out there, one of the most active blockchain projects out there. So we are a blockchain. We are a cryptocurrency. We are built on distributed ledger technology, which is what blockchains are. Right, so DLT or blockchain technology basically takes open source principles uh, and applies them to economic systems. So you have these things called open economic networks where they uh, contrast with closed economic networks, obviously. And closed economic networks are the networks everyone's already familiar with. Uh, the US dollar, the US economy, the US nation, the Eurozone, uh, the UK, you know, Brexit and all that stuff affected their economic network because they split the European economic network into the Eurozone and the UK. We've got China as its own economic network. And all of these closed economic networks have their own protocols and rules uh, by which you must play in order to participate within that economy. <laughs> and at the root <laughs> of all these um, networks is the base protocol, which is the currency. Currencies are the tools upon which any economic network is built. Um, we'll just leave it at that. So in the U.S., we have the U.S. dollar minted by a central bank and distributed in weird ways. You know, currently we're in quantitative, quantitative easing phase like 89 or whatever, where they're just minting money and buying stocks and bonds uh, straight off of the market to prop up the market. They're minting money and they are... Um, giving it to banks as they generally do anyway. They loan it out to banks, uh, who then distribute it to other banks or wrap it up into weird products and sell it to other banks who then eventually get it to a business owner who wants to take out a loan or an individual who wants to take out a loan and then it, the currency enters the economy that way. Um, so that's the generation of money. And then you have the sort of administrative aspect of that, which is the government, which uh, performs services like NSF or NIH, anyone interested in, in Gridcoin is going to be interested in science. NSF, NSF and NIH are funded by tax uh, dollars. So the government collects taxes 
and then distributes it to projects which the government sees fit. And ideally, right, the government is run by the people and is for the people. But yeah, maybe that system has played its um, has its sun has set on that system, perhaps. The so, but that that administrative system takes in funds and distributes it somewhere. So those are the two main aspects of an economic network: the currency generation, which you must have to have a sovereign nation to have an economic network and then the governance structure which comes in many shapes and sizes you know china's governance structure is entirely different from the us's governance structure which is different but still related is similar to the eurozone structure different than south americans different systems and stuff like that so those are closed economic networks everyone is generally familiar with them we operate within them though so we don't often ask questions like well where does currency come from and what is its value why does the u.s dollar buy me things um there really is no answer to that it is <laughs> the answer that i could come up with that i i agree with is that it is the currency that you must use to pay taxes it is in order to participate in the u.s government the u.s economic network you must use u.s dollars you can't pay taxes in euros you have to translate those euros to us dollars and then pay with the us dollars and the the amount produced by each economic network theoretically gives a relative value to each currency so if the eurozone is producing more than the the united states then the euro will be worth more relative to the US dollar. There is no actual value to them other than you must use them to interact with the network. Um, but there is relative price because one network does one thing and one network does another thing. And based on the global society, because we are a global society at this point, um, we will value the output, the production of one product more than the production of another product at uh, any given moment in time. And that shifts as time moves forward. So. I'm not going to try and stretch for an example there. <laughs> he, that's the world we live in. What these, what this DLT does is takes that system, that closed system, and opens it. So in these closed systems, that administrative process, the currency printing process, is closed to any participant. It, you must go through a very, very rigid process in order to get to the point where you are... Um, uh, Powell or like Yellen or any of these big players or like the president or uh, the head of a bank or or any of these decision makers in these processes. A senator, though, who knows how much they do anymore. Haha, <laughs> jokes all day. Uh, <laughs> so uh, those closed processes are closed. It's very difficult to have a say in how the system works. And, and to change the system takes a very long time. And because of that, these systems generally fail after 27 years. Uh, there's a shift in the way the currency is made every 27 to 47 years, something like that. I forget the number off the top of my head. Um, so, you know, the US, just to take example, uh, started the fiat system in the early 70s. Uh, and then there was the system that started in the 40s after World War II. And then there was the system that started in the late 1800s, I think. I might be skipping one in the 20s. Uh, and then there was the system pre-Civil War and post-Civil War. And then there was the system that started the United States, right? It's, the United States has been, this, has been here for 
since 19, I don't even remember when the Declaration of Independence was, 76, 1776. But the currency system has actually shifted many times. Uh, and how the new system is built has been determined by a closed set of individuals. So if you open the system, all that means is that more people get to have a say in how it's built. It actually, in reality, means that anyone can build their own economic network based on their own rules and governed in its own, in any way they see fit. I could right now start a blockchain called RingoCoin and decide that I am the only person that ever gets to make a decision in that blockchain uh, and say that the currency is only distributed to dogs. Uh, and that would be how that currency, that economic network operates. Very likely to fail, because as we all know, dogs never spend money. They only suck it up. <laughs> so, Delta Bucks. Netherstar brings up Delta Bucks. That's a great, great example. <laughs> so... Delta uh, Delta is a great contributor here in the community, and a running joke is he created his own currency just called Delta Bucks. Um, so if anyone can create their own economic network, we've created, through a couple leaps, a marketplace of economies. No longer are we pigeonholed to the nation-state economies that have existed for a very long time, arguably since the beginning of um, organized civilization. We now have a fluid transition between economies, each one making its own, uh, having its own value set, producing its own thing. And each one, one might be more valuable relative to another one at any given moment in time, you know, depending on what they produce, how quickly they develop, how, how um, nimbly they adapt to challenges and changes. Uh, Ethereum is actually a great example of a currency that is much more adaptable seemingly, than Bitcoin. Bitcoin is notoriously difficult to change. It is probably never going to change. That's where I'd put my money. But at this point, I'm not sure. Um, because it's designed that way. It, the, the people who really built that network, the Bitcoin network, want it to stay the same so it can be stable and reliable to never change like that. Ethereum had a bug very early. And the decision made at that time sort of set precedent that this protocol, the Ethereum protocol might change in the future. It's the community that builds around Ethereum must be more adaptable because that's sort of the ethos they built around that coin versus Bitcoin, which is a little more rigid. It takes 10, 15 years to change Bitcoin. It took a couple of years to change Ethereum, like two or three times. And there's just more and more changes coming to Ethereum as they adapt to a different environment and different concerns from the population as uh, cryptocurrencies get more adopted. So. That's just an example of differences between economic networks. Uh, that might be considered the administration aspect of the currency. Gridcoin is actually very adaptable because we're a tiny coin. We're, we're actually, I mean, we're in the top 10 in terms of development and number of nodes. Number of nodes basically means that the number of people that are securing the network on a technical level, and you don't need to worry about that at this point. Maybe we'll talk about that in the future. Uh, but it's a good thing. The more nodes, the better, <laughs> basically. Uh, but we are an underappreciated coin, some might say, but definitely an unnoticed coin. Uh, we have our niche, and we love it. We're developing technology that has not really been developed in other coins yet. And it's experimental, and it would be dangerous to actually hype this thing up. And a lot of us think it would be immoral to do it. So a lot of people in the community do not hype and actively 
push back against people who do hype and try to keep them from hyping. Uh, but it's open source, it's open communities, anyone can do what they want ultimately. Uh, but a small community, very adaptable, limited number of elevated voices or regular voices um, that produce actual products. Uh, although we're very open to having more people come in and help build this thing because it's really cool, as you're about to find out. So the governance aspect of it is unique in that we have this small group of people, but we also have a voting mechanism where when a decision needs to be made, the people with the capabilities to make that decision and implement any change that is a result of that decision, I'm going to say generally, but I think always pull the network first. They ask the participants in the economic network what they want, and they develop a proposal, and they present options in uh, the best way that they can envision at the time they create the proposal. Uh, and then a motion is almost dependent on the result of that poll. And that poll is actually a technical, um, I'll say Marvel, <laughs> in the, the protocol, is part of the protocol. And the the way this operates, because it's online, you can't do one person, one vote. You have to do stake-weighted vote. So stake means um, stake in the network. How much blood and sweat do you have in the network? And blood and sweat can be represented in two ways in Gridcoin. But first, let me tell you about closed networks. Stake in a closed network is represented by currency. If I have... 60 billion US dollars, I'm going to want that. I have a big stake in the uh, US economic network. I want that economic network to persist. I want it to thrive. I want those US dollars to continue to hold value relative to other currencies. If I own 60 billion acres in the United States territory in the economic economic network, I have a large stake in that network. I want that nation that economic network to persist and thrive and protect my land, protect my stake in it. In Gridcoin, all this stuff is digital. So in Gridcoin, we mint currency. So you still have a currency stake. You um, also have what's called magnitude. Magnitude is based on how many computation cycles you contribute to Boink. And I will get back into that in a little bit. Um, so basically, magnitude is how much science do you do? And currency is how much currency do you own? So those are the two ways you represent. we represent stake in the network currently. There are at least four different things we can add to that in the future, probably dozens more. Four is just what I can think of right now. Uh, and the, in my view, you want to continuously add um, ways to represent stake in a network because the more ways you can represent stake in the network, the more ways you can possess stake in the network, the more ways you can be part of that network. And the more ways you can be part of the network, the more people will become part of the network. And the more people that are part of the network, the more people will have stake in the network. And the more people that have stake, the longer the thing will persist. That was fun. So the way voting works in Gridcoin is stake weight voice level, essentially. So the more stake you have in the network, the louder your voice. So if I have 40 million GRC, I'm going to have a louder voice than someone has 40 GRC. If I have 40 million magnitude, I'm going to have a louder voice than someone has 40 magnitude. So the way the governance aspect of this economic works is there are the people that do the contributing and the producing. And generally, before, and if not always, before a decision is made that re will result in a product, they pull the network 
and the network votes on the decision and the outcome of that decision um, encourages the, the contributors to produce a specific thing. It's far more complex than that uh, because of the way blockchains actually work. But for an introduction, that is plenty good enough. That's how the governance works. The currency aspect of it, and, and I sh I'm going to say the currency aspect of it is what really makes Gridcoin shine. But I will also point out that that voting mechanism is not used by almost all other currencies. That's actually very unique to Gridcoin. Uh, and it functions largely because we're such a small community right now. I do not know how well that would function as we get larger without more technical sort of bells and whistles and, and mechanisms. But it's really cool that that exists. The currency aspect, as I said, I'd say, is really what makes Gridcoin shine. Um, and I guess I'll just get into it because I already explained how the fiat system works, right? The currency is just minted by a Fed, by a bank, and then either they use it to buy things, generally in a marketplace, uh, stocks and bonds, or they use it to generate interest by loaning it to banks who then do whatever the hell banks do with currency and eventually ends up in the economy. So the these closed economic networks do have protocols by which currency is minted. They're closed protocols. They're almost impossible to change, and they're controlled by a few people. Gridcoin and all blockchain, permissionless blockchain protocols are open currency protocols, meaning anyone can propose changes to it. Anyone can see exactly how the protocol works and what makes it tick, You know, identify bugs or identify places for improvements. Um, and it increases in efficiency, um, and again, it proposed changes. Um, so in Gridcoin, you can see that the protocol, which is ruled by code, that's a huge part of it, and not people, um, the protocol mints 28,000 Gridcoin a day to distribute to people who contribute computation cycles to Boink. Uh, and then it mints, I'm going to forget the number off the top of my head. I think it's 10,000-ish, 14,000 GRC a day to contribute to distribute to people who help secure the blockchain by operating nodes or securing or, or staking GRC on the network. You don't need to worry about that part. That part exists in all proof-of-stake currencies, uh, and we'll explain it in the future. But the cool part is the, the 28,000 that's minted per day and distributed directly to people who contribute to computation cycles to Boink. But... Wait a minute, you just said that there's this whole voting system that determines the the, the governance of the economic network. And now you're saying there's this protocol that's ruled by code that determines how much currency is minted. Right, so the, the code determines how much currency is minted. And if someone wanted to change that number, it would go through that governance structure. It would go through a vote and either people would choose to support it or reject it. And if it's supported, then someone would have to implement that change and the number would change. So anyone could propose that change uh, and convince the network that it's for the better. That's what makes it open. But the actual protocol is ruled by computer code. So there will never randomly be a meeting of five or six people uh, after which um, 50 million grid coin is printed to buy Tesla stock or something. It will always be 28,000 GRC minted per day. And it's more complex than that once you get into the code. But for our introduction here, it's 28,000 GRC minted per day uh, distributed to people contributing contribution cycles to Boink. Um, that's really cool. That provides stability to a lot of 
um, aspects of economies because these fiat currencies, as we're starting to see in today's world, kind of fluctuate based on how much stimulus gets injected into economy. Who decides to make the money printer go? I can't do the noise, but you get it. Um, and and a, a, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty in fiat having to do with inflation and deflation and and float and turnover and what what is cpi is cpi actually a good measure of inflation because i don't know this numbers from like the 70s or should we using md4 or should we what, what should how do we forget all that and just look at computer code let the rules be <laughs> the computer code thank you for typing the noise in the chat it's spelled b-r-r-r-r-r-r <laughs> so oh thank you so if we can wrap our heads around these two structures, governance and currency, and the fact that they are open structures, part of this thing called an open economic network, which is very similar to a closed economic network in how it operates. So you, if you, you're just learning about cryptocurrencies, you almost already know how they function because they're just economic networks, which you are a part of one, but open and run by computer code. If we can wrap our head around that, we can ask ourselves, all right, so what is the effect of having a currency that actually does have value and that it is it can't be forged because it's secured by cryptography. That's where cryptocurrency comes from. Um, what is the value in having a currency minted by a protocol similar to the Fed, so just printed, and given to people who are contributing to science? Uh, in a word, you're building, or in a phrase, I guess, you're building an economy where the root value is based on the production of science. You know, I was talking about the comparison between the Eurozone and the U.S., and I'm actually going to change this example right now to the, the difference between China and the U.S. China's economy, this economic network, is largely based on manufacturing. The U.S. economy is largely face, based on service. Uh, so what if there was an economy that was just largely based on science? It's a very similar concept. Uh in my opinion, and I think the opinion of almost anyone who is part of Gridcoin, that's awesome. <laughs> like, it, imagine an economy where a currency is minted and given directly to scientists or people who contribute directly to science. What are they going to do with the currency versus what do banks do with the currency? Uh, what would NIH and NSF be able to do if instead of relying on taxes, they could rely on a protocol. Let's say uh, 28,000 GRC is minted a day and 20,000 of it goes to crunchers or uh, people who contribute computation cycles to Boink and 8,000 of it goes to research grants. There's no tax system there, but science is getting funded directly out of the, the protocol that mints money. At that point, you are tying a science product directly to, a current, directly to an economic uh, model to an economic network that seems highly valuable. Um, there's a lot more to it because of the technology we're building on, but at its core, that's what we're playing with. It's in an, an incentive and a current an economic network that just incentivizes science at its root. So one of the things that that might do, or that that we could do with this technology. No, we're not going to go into that because then I have to explain how blockchains work. So uh, one of the things that this does without talking about the blockchain technology is produce incentives for people to want to do science. Um, you can, if money is printed 
and given to people who contribute to Boink. Um, if I want money, I'm going to contribute to Boink. It's a fairly simple thread. Uh, if I want more money, I'm going to contribute more. Seems pretty simple. So we've just incentivized people to uh, contribute to computational science, which is essentially what Boink does. So another response in this thread that I asked the community, and this is just me really touting how awesome this community is, because I asked this yesterday and I already have really good responses. Um, but another person said uh, that this research, this computational science is going to get done anyway. It has to get done because that's how science is done. It's done on computers at this point. Uh, so why not tie that production to a currency, the production that must be done anyway, to a currency out of the protocol, kind of offset the cost of electricity? At that point, you can trace a thread, and it's a little more tenuous, but you can trace a thread from the currency to the cost of electricity that is used to produce scientific result. And that's kind of interesting. Some people might want to explore that further. Um, but the um, incentive of the the the, the currency the, the the root of the economic network uh, being a currency that incentivizes people to contribute to science production that will have to be done anyway makes people <laughs> want to contribute to um, scientific projects because they get paid for it. So the question in the chat here is, what if I want more money but have no more con to contribute? You use the money to, the answer's in the chat too, you use the money to improve the infrastructure for research to make more money. So you, you're able to build a feedback loop. It's, it's exactly the same thing as if the incentive is to produce loans, but I'm out of um, I'm out of money, how do I produce more loans? I get more money from the protocol. I do whatever the Fed wants me to do to get more money. Maybe I'll do some PPP work. Maybe I'll uh, whatever it takes to get more money. It's the exact same concept, except with science. If I need to do more science to get more money, but I'm out of the thing I need to do to do more science, I'll use the money I get to get the thing that produces science and produce more science and get more money and make twice as much money. Uh, and you can continue that infrastructure loop over and over again. Um, so. All right, if we're incentivizing people to contribute to Boink for computational science, uh, what else are we doing? There's a couple, we're, we're going to start touching on some deeper parts of the protocol here, but we're going to try and only skim them. So the it would follow, if we're incentivizing people to contribute to Boink, that someone would just make a Boink project that does something really stupid, like counts, just adds one to each work unit. Uh, which is a boink term, and then uh, just do it. Do that project over and over again, get lots of GRC for doing that stupid project that really produces nothing. So if that happened, the, G, the, the economic network that is Gridcoin would be producing nothing. So the value of GRC, the currency, would be nothing relative to any other network that's producing even something, even if it's stupid memes. Stupid memes are more valuable than just counting from one to infinity. Um, so what the Gridcoin economic network has decided to do is implement an approved list of Boink projects where only projects that are on that approved list will be rewarded with GRC, will be incentivized by GRC. And like I said, anyone can create a Boink project. So it's really still open to anyone. All they have to do is get onto this approved list. And the way you get on the approved list is by using that voting mechanism I already described. So if you are able 
to make a blank project and convince enough of the Gridcoin network um, that your project is worthwhile, people will add it. It will be added to the approved list, essentially. Of course, it's more technical, but basically that's how it works. So the result of that is our current approved list, which largely runs um, what I would say is generally agreed upon good science. Uh, there are projects that are working on cancer markers, discovering the microbiome, um, or exploring the microbiome, you know, exploring the universe, discovering pulsars, um, doing math problems, like finding new prime numbers. Um, there are a couple that I disagree with personally, but other people agree with. Colas conjecture is one, trying to disprove the Colas conjecture, uh, and, and doing other interesting stuff. There's one that I love that other people don't love uh, called Minecraft at Home that's trying to essentially crack Minecraft and do really interesting stuff with a computer game, but in doing so, getting a lot of people interested in distributed computing. Um, and we incentivize that project as well. They passed a vote after a very intense discussion about the value of the science or work done by the Boink project. So this process of create Boink project, convince enough people that your Boink project is doing science worthy of Gridcoin's economic network produces another effect. And that is education, participation, and inclusion. So, and put a science before all three of those words. So, uh, in order to get onto the approved uh, list of point projects, you have to convince a whole network, an entire economic network, that your science is valuable. It's the exact same way NSF works. In order to get funded by NSF, you have to convince the people in NSF that your science is worth their funding, worthwhile. The difference is. The people in the Gridcoin network aren't all high-tier scientists. Some of them are just people with jobs, waiters, plumbers, um, farmers. A lot of them are scientists and engineers and stuff like that, but there's a lot of people. Um, so you're convincing a wide range of, of backgrounds about that your science is valuable. In order to do that, you need to explain your science to a wide range of backgrounds. Instead of a biologist explaining biology to another biologist, a biologist explains biology to everyone. So you're educating a general population about science and why it's important and what it's going to do for them in the long run. Even if it's just basic science, you have to explain to them that basic science is valuable because, you know, GPS. Uh, it's that That's really fucking cool. <laughs> that is probably my favorite part about Gridcoin is that education and participation part. The flip side of the coin there is that the farmer, plumber, scientist, everyone that's part of the Gridcoin economic network is going to want to make sure that they don't add just stupid science to their incentivization structure. Because if they do, the value of that economic network will be zero. As I described before, if you're producing bad science, you're producing something that is going to be worth less than someone who's producing good science or someone who's even producing memes if you're really producing nothing at the end of the day. Uh, so... Everyone in the Gridcoin network struggles to learn the science that is being done by the Boink projects. And you don't become an expert in like the microbiome, but you learn some of these proteins, like the FOXO1 protein or osteopontin. I don't know. There's one that I can never pronounce, but I know it. I could probably almost spell it. Uh, <laughs> those might be actually the uh, uh, childhood cancer marker projects. But... <laughs> It's fun. You get to learn all this stuff. You get to be wrong sometimes and right sometimes. <laughs> what you're learning. Uh, the, the effect there 
is you create a um, a path of science education that is desired by both parties. So instead of teaching science to a, a kid in school who's kind of forced to learn it, you're teaching science because there's economic incentive for both parties involved. The person voting on the Boink project wants to approve good science. The person with the Boink project wants the computation power of the Gridcoin network, which I forgot to mention is massive. There's a lot of computation power in the Gridcoin network. Um, so that is all just a, an effect of incentivizing Boink projects. It's all just a logical outcome. If we out incentivize Boink projects, we can't incentivize every Boink project. So we have to choose which projects to incentivize. All right, let's use the voting mechanism that already exists to approve the projects. And by doing that, we've created science education at a level that really has never been seen before. If if Gridcoin scaled the level of the current scientific system, everyone would have their toes in science in some way. Okay, so with this approved list, we we have this approved list, and we also have 28,000 GRC minted today from the protocol that's distributed to people who crunch this point projects on this approved list. So the next question would be, how much... GRC is distributed to each individual crunching those approved projects. Um, so the real answer here is because of what I'm about to describe is because it was technically the easiest thing to do. But I like to imagine that the people who implemented the mechanism that distributes GRC to individuals thought, hmm, well, in our current world, there's a lot of money put into translational science, a lot of money put into science that's just making a product. Um, and not a lot of research put into basic uh, foundational research, not a lot of funding put into foundational research. It's much harder to just go out into a pond and look at stuff and come back with it with it a discovery. Like just it's harder to explore than it is to produce. But as most people probably understand, exploration is critical to production. So when they implemented the magnitude system, which uh, I already mentioned magnitude. It's the 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 more magnitude you have, the more computation cycles you have contributed to these approved point projects. They said, well, we want to create a system that ensures that any project that gets approved by the Gridcoin economic network is guaranteed a bare minimum of computation cycles to get their work done. Because we, the producers of this mechanism, understand that if a Boeing project were to be created with a lot of marketing money or just a sexy product to produce, a lot of people would just crunch that project, would just contribute to that project because they're either going to get more money for it or because they're convinced that it's insanely valuable, even though it's just a different flavor of Pop Rocks or something. So they created an even distribution of magnitude across all approved Boink projects. That means that if there is, let's make this simple math. So there are 28,000 GRC produced a day for Boink projects, for uh, people contributing to Boink projects. But let's say there were just 1,000 GRC printed per day distributed to people who contribute to um, approved Boink projects. And let's say there were 10 approved Boink projects. That would essentially mean, the mechanism, the magnitude mechanism would essentially mean that each of those Boink projects would be granted 100 Gridcoin to distribute to their contributors. So if I'm crunching project A at a 
higher rate than someone else, I'm going to get a larger share of 100 grid coin. I'm not going to get a larger share of 1,000 grid coin, which is the total number of the protocols minting in this hypothetical scenario. I'm only going to get a larger share of the GRC, the grid coin that's allocated to the project on which I'm crunching. So I can crunch multiple projects, and I can even look up which project has more people crunching it uh, and, and decide to contribute to projects which have fewer people crunching it. So I have a shot to get a larger share of the 100 GRC allocated to that project. So if there were 10 Boeing projects approved in the Gridcoin Economic Network each and 1,000 GRC minted a day for each project, or 1,000 minted a day total, and 100 GRC given to each of those projects. Um, and then on project A, there is there are zero people crunching project A, and on project B, they are, there are 10 people crunching the same amount. Um, I am probably going to crunch for project A, because if I were to crunch for project B, I and, and at the same amount as everyone else who's already crunching there, I would be splitting 100 GRC 11 ways, and that means I would get much less GRC than I would than if I were just the only contributor to Project A. In which case, no matter how much I'm contributing, I would get all 100 GRC. Now, if someone else came in to Project A after me and they're crunching more than me. Uh, they would get a larger share of that 100 GRC, and I would get a smaller share of the 100 GRC, but I would still probably get more than if I were contributing uh, an equal amount to Project B, splitting 100 GRC 11 ways. Right, So that will play out among all 10 of these Boink projects until there is a relatively even distribution of computation cycles across all these Boink projects. We're not going to confuse anyone here, so I've muted chocolate so we don't talk about this too much. The point here is that the uh, the general concept is that there will be a flat distribution curve of computation power across all Boink projects uh, in a marketplace, in, in a vacuum where only the market ruled uh, because the people would seek profit, and in order to seek profit, you would have to find the Boink projects that um, where you could find the most profit. In reality, people like some projects more than others, so they're going to crunch the project they like, uh, and that it becomes a factor in how the distribution curve plays out. So that's an interesting way to ensure that any project that gets into that, that goes through the trouble of getting into the Gridcoin economic network is guaranteed a minimum amount of crunching power, or in the current structure, an equal amount. Guaranteed here is because it, it is finicky once you get into it, but quote unquote guaranteed an equal amount of um, computation power across the network. All right, so there's obviously a lot more to what Gridcoin is and what it can do and what it currently does, even. But the basic concept is there is an open economic network uh, where anyone can contribute to the code that enforces the protocol of this network. This network currently mints a currency that is largely distributed directly from the protocol to people who contributed that contribute to approved Boink projects. The Boink projects are approved by a network-wide vote which creates an ed education cycle. 
and gets people interested in the science simply because there's money involved. Uh, and also guarantees uh, loosely a certain amount of computation power to any projects that gets put on that list. Uh, and again, this the Gridcoin network, uh, ex excluding the econ uh, economics part of it, uh, produces a lot of computation cycles. We have um, something known as the hug of death, where sometimes a small project, this happened mostly in the past, uh, before we had some sort of um, guidelines in place to make sure this didn't happen. But sometimes a small project, a uh, Boeing project, we get approved on the uh, into the network, and then we would just kind of destroy it accidentally because there's just too much computation power. So we would knock down their servers accidentally. <laughs> so um, the technology behind that process, that simple uh, process, is very complex and very fascinating. Uh, there's just uh, to throw out some words that you might come across. There are things called super blocks. There are there's something called side staking. Uh, there are things called uh, scrapers or oracles. Um, it's actually all on the Gridcoin websites. Gridcoin.world breaks them all down in uh, the join the network tab. Um, and it, it, it's it's a lot. There's a lot here. There's a lot that can be done with it. Uh, but We'll get into that stuff uh, on other Fridays. We're going to go through a tutorial probably next Friday. Yeah, next Friday, we're probably going to go through a tutorial. The following Friday, I won't be here. Um, and then on Tuesdays, if you want to get into the technical side of things, we meet on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, where hopefully we'll have some discussions about where we can take the technology, how we might want to change the way magnitude works, how we might want to change the way voting works, how we might want to change a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, and improve and add and um, create time lock contracts for a lot of different stuff because time lock contracts are very sexy. So to get to the chat here, uh, D Zone S uh, could Boink in the future be able to contribute to distributed rendering uh, similar to the way Sheep at Render Farm works for Blender? Absolutely. There actually used to be one called um, Burp, a big ugly rendering project, I think. And I I don't know if that was ever on the approved list, but uh, it was it was just a rendering project. Um, so definitely, there's a lot of potential with Boink. Boink itself is a very interesting uh, infrastructure. Um, you can do sensor projects with Boink, which I think are really cool. Like uh, people hook up. There, there's one called Radioactive at Home, I think, where people hook up hook up Geiger meters and uh, send the the readings into a central project admin who it, it, the data gets aggregated and you can look around i think europe and see geiger meters from around the the whole zone um you can do stuff with temperatures and air pollution and, and uh, earthquakes um anything with math really you can do a lot of protein folding you can do a lot of black hole research i think there's a black holes one project coming out soon so boink is really interesting uh Go to boink.network if you want to listen to a podcast on Boink. Is there anything else before we let ourselves get derailed here? So Nethastar says Gridcoin makes you get involved in science while Bitcoin just see it as a money machine. So I entirely dis disagree with that. He's, he parenthesizes not everyone. Okay, good. Good, good, good. <laughs> yes. Bitcoin uh, is insanely valuable. It's uh, brilliant. Gridcoin does make you get involved with science, though. Bitcoin does not. Bitcoin introduced the concept of um, open systems and stake uh, and, and, and education through stake. 
in the system. Uh, but that said, I guess we'll wrap it up here. Again, join us next week for a, a quick little tutorial on the wallet. We'll be live streaming that one on YouTube as well. Uh, so you might want to catch that video there. Otherwise, uh, have a great weekend and happy crunching. <laughs>